Two questions this morning. What relationship in life is the most important to you, and do you want to make it better? Just think about that for a second. What relationship in your life is the most important? And no matter how good you think it is, do you want to make it better in some way? And I'm going to tell you the way to make it better, since our series is Time to Quit, Time to quit being ungrateful. Now, I know what you're thinking. You know, I came here this morning, and there was some awesome worship, and uh, there were some great announcements about where we're going in the future, and now this guy's standing here getting in my grill about my lack of gratitude, right? Well, and, and the thing is, is that I had, to get in, I had to get up in my own grill this week about the whole issue of ingratitude. Uh, and so sometimes I do for, for me, and hopefully that based on what I do for me, you'll benefit from that. And so I started looking up, the, I started looking up definitions of ingratitude. Um, and there's all kinds of definitions out there. You can go to Urban Dictionary. You can go to a lexicon for the Bible. You can go to a lot of different places and find definitions for ingratitude. But I want to give you my definition this morning. Okay, my definition this morning is having no regard or caring for what others have, have been or done for you in the past. Having no regard or caring for what others have done or been for you in the past. Based on that definition, how many have ever uh, been ungrateful? You, no, don't, don't show your hands. I, I, don't, I didn't mean it that way. Let me, put it a, let me put it another way. How many of you have ever been 13? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, all of us at one point in time have experienced or been, and we've realized that we are ungrateful. Um, and, and what's interesting is that, to some extent, uh, without regard for care in other people's lives, there's a lot of people that are in our past that, that maybe we should be grateful for. Like, let me give you a list. Those people that conceived us, or counseled us, or taught us, or nurtured us, or nursed us, or pastored us, or knocked themselves out for us, or have gone to bat for us, or stood in the gap for us. There are lots of different people in our lives that we probably have been, to a certain extent, ungrateful for and, and haven't expressed it in a way that lets them understand it. Um, and another thing about ingratitude, two things that are important about un ingratitude, is this. Next slide. The receiver is always aware. In other words, if you're, if you're someone that's feeling unappreciated or not taken care of or not you know, being thanked in some way, you're always aware of that, right? I mean, you know, it's just an automatic. We know all of a sudden that we feel um, unappreciated. I, maybe you're not like me, but I can be going along in life and everything is really ducky from my perspective. And, and then someone says to me, I just don't feel like you appreciate me. <sighs> and, and the initiator is seldom aware. And it hurts. It, it's one of those, those double-edged swords. We've, we've all been on both sides of gratitude and ingratitude. Uh, sometimes in the same day and sometimes in the same conversation. We find ourselves maybe being unappreciated in some way. And, and I know how you feel about it because I felt unappreciated. You put yourself out there for someone. You put things on the line. You invest in their future, help, help make them a path in life, sacrifice for them, raise them, marry them, hire them, pastor them, push them along, 
when they need to push, all of the different things that we think that we should be appreciated for all of a sudden go unappreciated, and we begin to develop an, an attitude of ingratitude, and, and we begin to say to ourselves, you know what, I deserve more, I expect more, I want more. And, and this is the challenge. And I believe this is true for everybody in the room. And it's this slide. Gratitude or ingratitude drives the health of all relationships. Just that one thing. If we were to change the amount of gratitude that we have for those people around us, that in some way have been significant in our lives, will not only change our lives, but will change the lives of almost everyone around us if we, if we become people that are more appreciative of those people that have had some kind of influence or impact in our lives. So Jesus is going to tell us a story this morning. And I, and I believe that in this story... From, from Jesus' life, the, Jesus asks a question in the middle of this story that gets to the root of gratitude um, as he wants us to know it and understand it. And, it. and it starts in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. And, and it's, I, love this, I love the stories about Jesus because, uh, and I, I say this on a regular basis, I think, is that you don't even have to be someone that knows who Jesus is. I mean, you don't, you don't have to believe he's the son of God. You don't have to believe that, you know, that, he, was, that he died for your sins and was resurrected and, and forgives sins. You don't have to believe any of that. You can just simply listen to a story in his life and understand you know, that there's something here apart from that stuff, which I think is really significant and the church thinks is really significant. But apart from that stuff, if you just take one life lesson away from what he teaches, because it's very practical. It's very applicational. And, and it's one of those areas where, um, where all of us, I believe, if we take away this one story and the one question, it'll change it all. So it, it, it starts like this. It says, in, in the course of his journey to Jerusalem, now, now Jesus was way north of Jerusalem at this point. And, and so he's journeying back to Jerusalem because Jerusalem is where all the festivals, all the feasts, and all the, that's where God is centered. God is centered in the temple. So Jesus is making a journey from north of there down to Jerusalem. And it says that he, he crossed the border between Samaria and Galilee. Time out real quick. Samaria was a place where Jews avoided in other words, if you were going to travel from the north to the south to get to Jerusalem, you did everything in your power to avoid Samaria. Because a Samar the Samaritans were sort of a, um, let's just call it a knockoff religion. And, and, the, and the, Jews, the Jews thought, the nation of Israel thought, they're not pure, they're, we don't want to be around them, um, our people have married into their people. And so when you're traveling from north to Jerusalem, go around Samaria. And Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus, Jesus gets to the border, and he just cuts a straight path headed, had, headed down to Jerusalem. And, and it says, as he was approaching a village, ten lepers met him. So 
Jesus in his normal travels, um, travels like er everybody else in that day and age, and, and where you, you got to places just simply by walking. And so it says here that, that he ran into 10 lepers. So not only is Jesus in Samaria, which is a place where most Jews don't go, he, he runs into 10 lepers, which are people that are infected with a bacteria that causes them to uh, lose all sensation um, in, their, in their extremities. It, it causes a skin disorder and also causes blurriness of vision. And so here's, here's the setup. It says that he met these 10 lepers, they kept their distance, and they kept their distance because they were considered unclean. As a matter of fact, if you were a leper at that point in time, if you were to go out publicly, you had, you had to take a bell with you. And in taking that bell, whenever you got close to people, you would have to ring it and say, unclean, unclean, I'm coming through, unclean, and, and which, which pretty much, you know, if think about that. I mean... <laughs> Think about you going to um, Walmart or Safeway or Rayleigh's uh, and you're going down the aisle and you're ringing a bell saying, unclean, unclean, watch out, I'm coming through. What would people do? they just completely avoid you. They, they avoid you at any expense because they thought that leprosy was highly contagious, you know, at that point in time. It is contagious, but it's not highly contagious. As a matter of fact, leprosy is curable today. Over the last 20 years, more than 16 million people have been cured of leprosy. But in this, in this day and age, in order to be cured of leprosy, you, you had to, well, it just had to be a miracle in order for that to happen. And, and so Jesus is in Samaria. He, some lepers are coming his way. And, and he knows that they're an isolated people. They're an isolated community. They can't, they can't come close. As a matter of fact, the only people they have relationship with are the people in the colonies, the leper colonies. They can't even have relationship with their own family. So in essence, once you were relegated to the status of leper, it meant that there, in your life, there would be a slow death of isolation, loneliness, hurt, and eventually disintegration of your whole body. And there's tension here. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about, you know, when you make good decisions, you have to give, you have to give some attention to the tension. There's, there's plenty of tension going on here. And, and what's, what's happened is that it says that they kept their distance but shouted out, Jesus, Master, have... What? Okay, let, let, we need full participation this morning, all right? Jesus, Master, have pity, pity on us. And, and so J Jesus recognizes who he is, where he is, and he also recognizes who the lepers are. And the lepers probably have heard stories about Jesus. In, in other words, other people that were sick, other people that needed help, other people that needed curing, they would come close to Jesus, and Jesus would eventually, based on other stories in the Bible and probably what they already heard, is Jesus would go over and, and touch them, lay hands on them, make them well. You say, your faith has healed you. Um, and, 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 but Jesus doesn't do that here. The lepers are at a distance. Jesus is over here. And rather than drawing close, which is, which is what we all think and what we would, we would all like Jesus to do 
in our lives, he does this. When Jesus saw them, he said, go and show yourself to the priests. <laughs> and they said, what? What do you say? You know, they, they're far away. Jesus says, go and show. And they're saying, what do you say? He's, no, he said, go with the flow. No, no, no. He said, go and show. Go and show yourself to the priests. And so what what's going on here is that there's a conundrum. There's a conundrum going on because Jesus knows he can heal, and the lepers know that if he desires, he can heal them, but he just keeps his distance and yells, go and show yourself to the priests. Um, and then they're probably saying, are you sure that was Jesus? Maybe it was some other guy. You know, with leprosy, our vision is a little blurry. Maybe we're not hearing things well, and things are just, you know, maybe things just aren't as we see them. And so I just want to take a time out for three points, all right? Quick points. There's a lot going on here. There's tension that needs attention. Number one, if you had any kind of disease at that point in time and you were cured, you had to go to the priest because the priest was the one that declared you healed. He was the one that declared that based on vis visible evidence, visual evidence, that, that you have been healed in some way and if he determines that you've been healed, he gives you a pass back into society. In other words, you're no longer unclean, you're no longer lost, you're no longer isolated. With the priest's approval, you go directly back into life, which is something that lepers didn't experience. You go directly back into life. That's number one. Number two, there's 10 people that have leprosy. And, and can you imagine um, 10 folks showing up in front of the priest um, and saying, um, we're, heal, we're here because Jesus said to go and show ourselves to the priest. And the priest would say, what's going on? Who, who, healed, who healed you? And they'd tell the story. Well, we ran into this guy in Samaria, and he didn't come close to us. He just yelled at us, go show himself your, yourself to the priest. So we went and showed ourselves to the priest. And when we got to the priest, here we are. Now you're supposed to be the one that says to us, you're healed, go back into, go back into society. And number three... Number three is where we are, where they were. It might have been Jesus, might not have been Jesus. He gave them some instructions to go and show themselves to the priest. They had a decision to make. Do we take what he said at face value and begin this journey even though looking at one another as lepers we look horrible and again how far is it is it a day's walk two days walk ten days walk and and since we're in this deplorable physical lack of vision condition are we going to make it to a priest and is there a priest somewhere in between or are we going to have to go all the way to jerusalem to find a priest what exactly is going to happen and so what happens is that they give attention to the tension and just 
start walking. What about us? What about us at times when there's attention that needs attention in our lives and, and, all, and all we have is Jesus' requirement to just go and show and journey? What if, what if they had just stayed there? What if, what if they did not walk forward in faith? And, and so what happens, as the text goes on, it says this. And it happened that as they went on their way, they were cured. I love that. As it happened, that, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering how surprised they were. You know, as it happened, just go and show or go with the flow. As it happened, they were cured. I mean, can you imagine these guys walking along through Samaria and all of a sudden they look at one another and they say things like, hey, Mitch, all the marks on your face are gone. They're, they're all gone. Or, or, hey, Lou, your hand is back. Your hand fell off years ago. Now it's back on. It happened. Or, or maybe it was George. Hey, I can see clearly now. I know exactly where we are. And, and, and so what happens here is, is that we're getting to this point where gratitude, the lesson in gratitude, just about to begin. And you're probably wondering, long story, right? Some, sometimes it takes a while to get to the point. And sometimes it takes a while to get to the issue of gratitude in our lives. And, and so here's what happens next. One of their number, how many? Okay, who said 10? <laughs> One of their number, how many? One of their number, when he saw that he was cured. One out of 10. One of their number, when he was cured, turned around and praised God at the top of his voice and then fell on his face before Jesus and thanked him. This man was a Samaritan. This, this, is, where, this is where the gratitude lesson begins. This is, this is where the whole issue of gratitude in, in our lives uh, begins to come to fruition. Because here's what I think. I think based on this alone, point number one is gratitude. Gratitude I better go back since it's not there. Gratitude will generally put you in the minority. Grateful people are generally in the minority. And that's, that's what we see from the text. How many were cured? All 10 of them were cured. All 10 were cured. But it says only one went back. So that's, if you do one out of 10, that's what percentage? 10%. All right, 10% went back. So that means that when grateful people were in the minority then and still may be in the minority today, that tells me that grateful, now listen, grateful people stand out in a crowd. You You know, because you know who those grateful people are in your lives, because they express it all the time. 
So gratitude begins by understanding that sometimes it's a minority. You're in the minority. Um, but Rhonda mentioned the Chiefs today. Um, one, of, one of our son's uh, teams is, is the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and so we've got a Chiefs banner you know, out front um, of the house, and we're all rooting for the Chiefs at my place because we don't have an option. Um, <laughs> but, but in 1999, in 1999 um, Rhonda and I took the family to a Raiders-Chiefs game in Oakland, all right? Picture this, Raiders-Chiefs in Oakland. And so it was Christmas 1999, we traveled down to uh, the Coliseum at that point in time and got into the stadium and found ourselves uh, unexplicably, I bought the tickets uh, way early, I found a really good place close to the field, and, and when we got there, we were right in the middle of Raider Nation. And, and we're dressed, I was dressed like this. And the first thing anybody said to us was, you're not from around here, are you? <laughs> no, we're not. Okay, so Raiders, Chiefs, um, Sons of Chiefs fan, we sit down, and, and the first thing Matt does to, does to me, not, not ask of me, but he does this to me, he says, Dad, go to, this, go to the apparel shop and get me a Chiefs hat. And I said, What? Get me a chief's hat. And I don't want just any hat. I want the hat that fits me. You know, not the expandable one, but the one that's for the size of my head. And I said, okay, uh, I'll do it. So I go to the apparel store um, in the Oakland Coliseum, and the Oakland Coliseum is primarily silver and silver and black. And I walk into the apparel store, and I look at, at the apparel store, and it's all silver and black, and right in the middle is one Kansas City Chiefs hat. And I walked up, and I said, I, I want that Kansas City Chiefs hat right there. And the guy says, <laughs> how are you getting back to your seat? <laughs> I said, well, <laughs> is it going to be that bad? And he said, Probably. And I said, well, he said, I can give you a brown paper bag. <laughs> and I said, no, I think I'll just, I'll just you know, tuck it down in, in my pants. All right. And so I did. I tucked it underneath my coat, went back to the seat where Matt was, Matt was standing, and I took that puppy out and whipped it up really high in the sky. And he freaked out. He said, no, put that away, Dad. Someone's going to see that cap, so put that back. And, and, and you know what I thought about when I was getting ready for today? Gratitude. Gratitude stands out. Just like a Kansas City Chiefs hat in the middle of a Raiders apparel store. It's not like, where's Waldo? You know, you have to really look and see where Waldo is. But gratitude stands out. Gra gratitude is something that just sort of jumps off the page or jumps out at us in life and we know it and we see it and it's evident and it's as plain as the dickens and it, and it just all of a sudden shines and and that's what that's what happened in this story that it says one of their number one of their number 
that was cured turned around and at the top of his voice fell on his face and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. See, when you're grateful, when you're grateful, you're in a league of your own. It gives you an edge and it separates you from the crowd. As someone who has influence in other people's lives. Now this next part gets to the heart of gratitude. And it's the question that Jesus asks. And at this, Jesus remarked, weren't there ten men healed? Where are the other nine? Jesus just, he, he, he just jumps off the page and says, weren't ten healed? Where are the other nine? Is nobody going to turn and praise God for what, has, has, what he has done except this stranger? And he said to the man, stand up now and go on your way. It is your faith that has made you well. And, and the key here is that gratitude is an expression, not an emotion. We can all feel grateful, but it isn't gratitude unless it's expressed. Were the other nine healed? Yeah, they were. Uh, were the other nine grateful? I'm sure they were. Were the other nine not given life back and able to join society once again? And I'm sure they were. I'm sure that they were ecstatic and they went to the priest and they showed the priest and the priest said, you're healed, you're free to go back out into the world. And what happened is that this, I'm sure they, they were grateful, but they never, ever expressed it, at least based on this story. It, it is, see, Gratitude is a, is a demonstration, not a sensation. Gratitude's a demonstration, not a sensation. And, and, here's, and here's me, all right? Because I'm, I'm really not a very gregarious guy. And, and we can all say things like, well, I am truly feeling grateful I'm just not very good at expressing it. Think about that. What if, what if those lepers had said to Jesus, have, have pity on us, Jesus. And, and Jesus said, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I really feel for you guys. Um, I'm just not really good at expressing it, so just go on your way. And see, that's, that's what happens some, sometimes to us, is, is that it says that, it says that these lepers, in a loud voice, went back and praised. In a loud voice. In other words, they made a show out of this deal. He made a show out of this thing. So he, he goes back, and, and, and here's my question. How many, <laughs> for me especially, how many things do we do in a loud voice? I know, personally, I can complain in a loud voice. I can make fun in a loud voice. I can give orders in a loud voice, or I can tell jokes in a loud voice. But how often do I, me personally, go to somebody and say in a loud voice, 
Thank you for who you are, what you've done, where you've been, and how you traveled with me. See, that's different than a feeling. That's an expression. With our granddaughter, Maddie, she's seven, and, and um, she spends a, a lot of time with us, love her to death, and, and when we're with her and somebody gives her something, like gives her an Easter basket or a Christmas present or something at Halloween or Thanksgiving, um, as grandparents, we see somebody hand off something to Maddie. Maddie takes it. And what's the first thing, what do you think the first thing is that Ron and I say? Say thank you. And, and, if, and if she doesn't say thank you, we almost go into apoplexy. Like, uh, <laughs> why didn't she say thank you? But, and and that's, we're really good. We're really good at reminding our little ones, reminding our kids, reminding our grandkids, reminding other people. When someone is gracious to you and gives you something, you say thank you. And as we get older, older, for some reason, we begin to feel that that expression is no longer required. All we need to do is feel it and hope that they know and understand it because that's just the way we like it to be because it's so uncomfortable sometimes to express it. Continuing on, Jesus, it says this, the very last part. I um, and as at this Jesus remarked, weren't there ten of the men healed? Is anybody going to turn and praise God? And he said to the man, stand up now and go your way. It is your faith that has made you well. Here's the biggest takeaway of the day. Write it down. Take a picture of it on the screen, whatever you want to do. But point number three is this. Gratitude means turning back and thanking the one who enabled you to move forward with your life. Going back and thanking the one who enabled you to move forward with your life. All of us, all of us have people in our lives that in some way have facilitated us moving forward. Everybody. I don't care how gifted we are, how talented we are, how smart we are, how educated we are, how lucky we've been, whatever it might be. All of us have people in our lives that have facilitated our being able to go forward in life. And we need to go back and we need to say something as simple as thank you for who you are and what you've done. Ron and I went to a family funeral uh, last Saturday, um, and and in that after the funeral, there was a get together where um, there was plenty of food and plenty of beverage, and and everybody th that knew this particular family member um, just about got up and 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 told all the stories 
about who he was, his character, the things that he did, the funny stories, the amazing contribution that he had made to their lives from, from the time that maybe they were in, in grade school or high school or as young adults. Everybody stood and, and gave all these accolades uh, for this man. And my, my immediate thought was, with respect to this, I wonder how many of those people ever told him directly how grateful they were. And and so I'm going to put you on the hook this week. All right? See, if you came here to be really comfortable this morning, it's over. I'm going to put you on the hook. Because in your life, in your life, there's a person or there are people that in some fashion invested in you to make your life better. And so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna ask you to do three things. I'm gonna ask you to make a list. Make a list of those people. And if there's only one person on your list, that's fine. But, but chances are, there's, there are going to be more, there's going to be more than one person on your list that in some fashion, in some fashion, maybe is responsible for making you responsible. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, you ended up being a responsible human being in life because someone take the time, someone took the time and was responsible for making you responsible. Who's invested in you educationally, financially, relationally, spiritually? Who's taken a chunk out of their life and sacrificed or scrimped or saved so that you could be better? Who stood in the gap? Who stood up? Who stood tall for you when you weren't able to do it on your own? Who is that person or who are those people in your life that you're grateful for? And then number two, make an effort. See, if you, if you make the list, if you just make the list and don't do anything with it, that's just an example of I'm feeling grateful for those people, right? In other words, you write their name down and you say, I, I feel grateful for this person in my life, but that's not gratitude yet because in some way, you have to make the effort to go and actually close the gap with that person or those people. And then lastly, make some noise. See, the leper didn't go back after he was healed. and say, Jesus, Jesus, I'm really thankful for what you did. I don't want to make a big deal out of this because other people are going to hear it. I just want this to be between you and me. He didn't do that. He made a big noise. He shouted at the top of his lungs. He praised God. He was, he was back in life. He was, he was, in a sense, renewed and resurrected. 
And it, and it wasn't something to be kept secret or put underneath a rock. It, w- it was something to be vocal about, loud about, uh, uh, amazingly praiseworthy about. Here, here's what I think. I think gratitude needs to be over the top. We can't be just a little grateful or somewhat grateful. We need to be over the top grateful. Why? Because Jesus says in some way, if I've changed your life, healed your life, it was once broken, now it's whole. It was once in tatters and now you're beginning to sew it back together. You were once a wreck and a ruin and now there's hope for a future. Do you just put that under the carpet? No. You shout it out there. It needs to be over the top. And, and whoever you put on your list, when you go back to them and you are over the top crazy about who they are, what they've done for you, and how much you're thankful for the investment that, that you've made, they're going to think maybe this, you're just a little, maybe a chunk broke off of you somewhere. Make some noise. Remember, it's going back and thanking someone who enabled you to move forward in life. There's a woman in this ministry who every Christmas prepares a a gift for her dermatologist. It's usually over the top. Lotions, comfort items, special treats, It's wrapped classily, and it's delivered personally. And generally, there's a note in there that says, I'm grateful for your diagnosing my melanoma years ago at an early stage and saving my life so that I could move forward in my life. Thank you. Make a list. Go ahead. Make it. Make an effort. Go back. Make some noise. Go big. Because God has done absolutely everything for us that we need in order to be grateful. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning together. Praise you for not talking around the issue with us, but getting right to the point. Gratitude felt isn't gratitude at all until we've expressed it.
in an over-the-top fashion. Because we know that in doing that, we very seldom are able to do it on our own. But we do it because of your power in our lives. And I think as this song is going to point out to all of us, in order for it to happen, you've got to set a fire in us so that we, we begin and want to do those things that are necessary but extremely uncomfortable, but we can do it with your power. And we thank you for that power. And it's in your son's precious and mighty and powerful name that we pray. Amen. <laughs>